one of the most unique podcasts on the planet. Hey, bus driver. Hey, bus driver. Hey, bus driver. The show about everything related to student transportation. If you're a student transportation professional, you found your show. Hey, bus driver. Exploring the entire school transportation universe. Talking to interesting and inspiring people, exchanging ideas, promoting student transportation industry growth, and sharing a few funny stories along the way. Now, live from Phoenix, Arizona, this is Hey Bus Driver, and this is Jason Nelson. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Hey Bus Driver podcast. Today, uh, we are talking to a friend that joined us in the 2019 TA Summer Conference, George Carroll, who was uh, our keynote speaker and did a couple presentations with us. But George is fantastic, big energy, got a lot of stuff to talk about, kind of just how he shared, um, got into student transportation, really not necessarily driving a bus, but what his... um, you know, thankfulness to bus drivers all around the country and the work that we do in student transportation. Chad's back. He's got a new mic. I think he's sharing a mic with his kid. Yes. Something like that. So that was pretty exciting. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Hey, so. can, can I get an introduction like you just gave George someday? Just one time. I'll, can I get some introduction I'll, like that? I'll from see you what I can change? do. Maybe one time when you actually read the outline of what we'll do, what we're doing. I read it. I oh, read it. Oh, well, you didn't tell me. So I read it yesterday. I assume that yeah. you didn't do it. So you, so you owe me one. Okay. Next time. I'll, I'll tee up. Usually it's like, Chad's here again, guys. Well, people know you, Chad. All right, I'll 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 give you one of those uh, Bruce Buffer type introductions of uh, let's get ready to roll and rumble and and and, now. (laughs) Oh, I want George to do it. Yeah, maybe George should George should tee up. So, George, how's it going, man? George, I'm gonna get with you to pre-record one. I'm gonna get with you to pre-record one for me for the next one. Okay, George. Let's let's do it. I can do the buffer voice. Yeah. I can do the buffer voice. Sweet. Hey, it's it's great to be with you guys. Thanks for having me. Right on. So uh, you were just saying that you got back from vacation, little little R and R, right? Yeah, yeah, man. I've got uh, we've got two kids, five and almost four now. They're two boys, and they are just crazy together. And um, so me and my me and my lady. Uh, she, long story. She's uh, my ex-wife, but we're back together now. Maybe I'll, maybe that will come up along the way in our conversation today. But we left the kids here with the grandparents. Went to Florida for three nights, four days. I had a speaking engagement out there, and and uh, it was nice. It was called a little lovecation that we there had. You so go. Right feeling on. good, feeling refreshed. Yeah, man. I think uh, I, it, it's got to be super humid in in Florida right now, though, right? A little pre-hurricane oh. season. So it yeah, a bit of really rain humid. Yeah. But I'm not, really? honestly, I don't think I've ever. I've been to Florida maybe once, just in a, like yeah. air in the in the uh, airport. So I think that was a, a little layover, whatever. But yeah, so uh, so I wanted to get George in here just to talk a little bit about you know kind of what he does for for student transporters around the country. Um, you know, we we fell into George through TAA, um, kind of looking for keynote speakers and people that just really embody you know, high energy and it's, you know, easy in the, in the day-to-day industry of student transportation, really like, man, this is a butt kicking, you know, and, and to come into a summer conference and feel rejuvenated and somebody that brings a ton of energy like George, um, you know, really just wanted to get him back on so more people could hear your story. Like, I mean, it was pretty powerful for us and, and very, 
we were still talking about, we just had our, our summer conference here just last month. And, you know, George, even though COVID, you know, kind of has separated 2019 and 2021, um, you know, you were still coming up as a, as a high, high note for us. So hopefully we can get you back one day, but yeah. So George, how'd you, how'd you kind of fall into, you know, supporting student transportation and, and um, you know, kind of, where does that, where does that take you? Well, Jason, it all starts when I was a kid. No, it, it really does. So I'm uh, I'm half Asian kid, and I grew up in a, in a town in Southern Colorado that was primarily Hispanic and white. And so I was teased a lot. You know, I was bullied a lot growing up for being different. And, um, you know, I just remember, especially this one particular bus driver, Mr. Martinez, um, after a tough day, you know, of being bullied, I remember just going up, walking up into the bus with my head down and He's like, hey, kid, how's it going? I said, eh, not so good today. And uh, I just remember him always having this phrase. He said, he said, well, guess what, kid? And I said, what's that? And he looked at me and said, tomorrow is a brand new day. And there's just something about that, a, a refresher, a fresh start that kind of like just rejuvenated me, helped me let go of the day. And I get a little, little emotional thinking about it because, you know, as, it's, as a kid, Asian kid growing up in a primarily white and Hispanic community, it was, it was tough. I wanted to belong. A lot of times I didn't, but Mr. Martinez was always there with some encouragement and uplifting words. So from a young age, that's kind of uh, my connection with the school bus driving industry. And then fast forward, you know, I don't know, 30 years later, maybe, um, I'm given a, a training to a bunch of different companies, different positions um, on leadership. And there was one person in the audience who was a, a sales rep for Thomas. And uh, after the day was over, he asked me if, you know, I did keynotes and things like that. And I said, yeah. And he said, well, you know, I'm, um, I'm supporting the, the Oregon Association of Pupil Transportation and, uh, and they're, and he said, you know, I'd love to throw your name or consider you as a keynote. And I said, sure. And so one thing led to another, he introduced me to a guy named Chris Ellison out of Eugene, Oregon and, um, hit it off. And, uh, next thing I know, I'm, you know, giving a, a keynote presentation at the Opta conference and it just kind of all spread from there. Right on. So kind of your first experience, right? I mean, student transporters, kind of some, some, we're very eclectic group, right? There's, there's people that, uh, uh, you know, worked in corporate America before. There's people that are stay at home parents, people are just from all aspects. What, what was your first experience? I mean, other than your bus driver, kind of speaking to a group of people like that, did you, I mean, what was your, your thoughts and going in and like, well, you know, this is kind of a different, a little bit different breed, I'll say. You know, that my first experience was like, it was a fun loving group of people. I remember, um, you know, because I like to, I like to add humor to my presentations. I like to have fun and they were 100% willing just to, to play full out and have a good time with me. And, and then after work, you know, interacting with different people individually, just a lot of heart centered people who are, you know, in it for the difference that they get to make. And, and for me, it just kind of felt like home. Sure. Um, so obviously remembering your bus driver, you know, you played, I think you played college football, right? A little bit. Yep. You guys get to, I mean, you're probably not using school transportation, but you know, did you play football through high school and kind of get to experience the, I guess the, the school bus in a little bit different way between besides before and after school. And what, what did that look like? Yeah. Always the same, you know, um, I remember, just like on field trips and um even when we would travel you know between cities 
Um, I would just remember all the bus drivers that I've ever ridden a bus on always being kind and always being encouraging. Um, and that seems to be the, the common theme is just encouraging. Sure. They, I think that, you know, we should share that a little bit more, right? I think that's one of the things that sometimes, you know, we, we're so focused on all the student, the certifications and the actual driving, the, the safety of the bus that we forget to be humans sometime and, and actually connect with our, our riders, right? And we don't um, necessarily always focus on, like, people are people and kids are kids. And, you know, we should try and try and focus on connecting with them to really help, you know, build their emotion and their, their emotional capabilities. And, um, you know, I think that people think that, you know, that's a teacher's or a parent's responsibility, but they're not necessarily a student, the, the bus driver's responsibility, right? It's their responsibility to get them to and from home, um, safely, but trying to also, you know, connect with them on that level of, Hey, how was your sports? Or, Hey, how was your, you know, how was that test? Or, you know, um, just watching people, just watching kids grow up. If you have the same route, I think that's pretty powerful. Yeah. I mean, and for bus drivers, you know, you, you never know how far a simple phrase like, Hey, tomorrow's a brand new day, or just a, just some simple words of encouragement. You don't never know how deep and how far that goes. Um, and obviously it followed me throughout my whole life. And so I think maybe sometimes bus drivers get maybe a little bit like, you know, it, it, hesitant when it comes to it, but yeah, engaging, you know, high five and fist bumping if you yeah. can. And, yeah, no, and, definitely. And, you know, and interacting any way that you can, it goes a long way. Exactly. So how'd you, how'd you end up falling into, I guess, professional speaking or, or, you know, teaching kind of at the corporate level, like how to, you know, how to not necessarily manage people, but manage like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Maybe just catalyst energy through, you know, to, to, to work at a high pace and a high level? Yeah, good question. So uh, it all started when I was a kid. <laughs> I'm partially joking, but I'm serious. So as a kid, my my dream was to play pro football. And if you ever met me in person, I'm only 5'8", 170. So the odds were against me. Um, but, you know, I, I grew up in a neighborhood where the kids were three, four, five years older than me. So anytime I'd go out and play football with them, I'd have to step up my game. And by the time I got into organized sports, third grade, fourth grade, I just blew it out of the water because I was so used to playing kids bigger, faster, stronger than me. And, you know, fast forward to high school, just worked my butt off. Jerry Rice was my idol growing up, greatest wide receiver to ever play the game. So I modeled his work ethic as much as I could, worked my butt off, ended up breaking a lot of records in Colorado for receptions, yards, touchdowns, got a full ride scholarship to the University of Northern Colorado. And um, in my mind, I'm on my way, inching my way, you know, closer to my dream of playing pro football and my first year just sat the bench learned the system second year had a break first team all conference junior uh, another breakout season first team all conference uh, but toward the end of that year as in the year 2000 there was no such thing as social media if there was it was just like myspace maybe sure but i wasn't on it <laughs> and so i remember we had a nationally televised game back then and that was kind of a big deal it was on fox sports and uh it was an opportunity for me to really showcase my my talents and and i remember having a huge breakout game we had like 10 catches 215 yards ended up scoring the winning touchdown and we ended up beating a nationally ranked team which we were never supposed to beat uh, we beat them 17 to 14 and then after that i was sort of on the map and so go, that, that led into my senior year and my senior year, same thing started off with a bang. And then about nine games into the year, we had our last game, last home game of the season. It's called senior day. 
And going into that game, I was 95 yards short of breaking our school record for yards in a career. And sure enough, I was going to break the school record. Sure enough, I was going to be as projected to be drafted, maybe fifth round, sixth round of the draft. And at the very least, you know, go try out for a team and, and work my way in. Sure. Um, but during that last game, my, my season, my senior year, um, on a harmless run play, my job was to just to block the defender to make sure he didn't tackle the running back because it was a run play from, coming from behind me. And I remember planting my right leg to kind of give one last block and push into the defender. And all of a sudden, the running back gets tackled from behind and just tramples on my my leg um, and end up shattering my leg and my ankle pretty wow. bad. And very Joe Theismann-like, for those of you who remember Joe Theismann getting injured by Lawrence Taylor. And I remember trying to get up. And I bent down. I couldn't put any weight on my leg. I bent down, and I just kind of felt the bone shift in my leg. And I, I crumbled oh, to the ground. Oh. I know. It is nasty. Hope, you, oh, hope you're not eating while you're listening to this. <laughs> um, but they, they took me to the sidelines and uh, took off my shoe and my sock. And I just kind of looked down, and I saw my leg just sort of dangling there. And, and I'm in shock at this point. So I look at the trainer who's working on me. He kind of looking at me with these hesitant eyes. He says, sorry, George, it's over. And I remember just crumbling, crying, and not because the physical pain, but the just the emotional pain of knowing that, hey, my lifelong dream is gone. And they uh, put my leg in an air cast. I still get emotional thinking about it, man. But they put my leg in an air cast and stabilized the brake as much as they could before they took to the operating room. And uh, as I was leaving, I kind of had my head on a cart. I had my head down like this, and I hear this, this loud roar and applause. I look up, and everybody give me a standing ovation as I was leaving. And, uh, and it was the most bittersweet moment of my life. After that, I fell into a real deep state of depression, real bad place, you know, considering suicide and, um, just a, just rock bottom for me at that time in my life. I think I was like 22, 23. And, um, and it was around that time, you know, I moved to Denver, Colorado, I needed to pay the bills. So I ended up getting a job, but it was around that time where, I was either going to leave the planet by suicide or I was going to figure out a way out of it. And, and fortunately I, I woke up one morning in tears and, and uh, asked God, I said, hey, why am I here? What's my purpose on the planet? You know, and, and a week later, I found myself in the Denver Public Library. And I just wandered up to the personal development section. Didn't even know what that meant at the time. But I saw the, the, all the books on the, on the shelf. And I was reading the spines and the titles. And I saw this one book that said, uh, Personal Power or, or uh, Unlimited Power by Anthony Robbins. There's something about the title that really resonated with me because I just felt so powerless at that time and, and, and hopeless. Um, but I read the book. And I got chills in my spine and I just like, okay, this is, uh, and, and from that point I decided to go on what's called a media fast. And man, you guys know what it's like. If you're just constantly watching the news, it's all fear-based. Yeah. And, and anything that we consume consistently, our brain's job is to develop filters and beliefs about the world. And so if we're constantly consuming fear-based information, we're going to see the world in a fear-based way. And so I decided 30 days media cleanse, no negative news. I'm just going to, I'm just going to flood positive information into my brain. After that 30 days was over, I just felt rejuvenated and excited about life again, felt hopeful again. And, um, at that point I gave my two weeks notice to the, the comfortable six figure salary job I had at the time and said, I don't know what's next, but gotta be better than this. And during that two weeks I was, I wasn't teaching what I was supposed to be teaching uh, which was, you know, technology upgrades with our systems and, and sales techniques. I was teaching what I was learning at that book, the book that I read. And on my last day, I gave this heartfelt speech about happiness and success and failure to my team. And by the end of it, we're all crying and hugging it out. And, um, 
get emotional thinking about this one too, but you know, th- I remember right after that, three of my reps came up to me. They said, George, you should be a motivational speaker. George, you should be a motivational speaker. George, you should be a motivational And I clicked. And I heard, I said, okay, I'll become a motivational speaker. I had no idea how I was going to go from being a depressed corporate manager to a motivational speaker. Um, and I always tell people, you know, I don't know what your religious or your spiritual beliefs are, but I do believe that God or the universe or the almighty or whatever it is that you call it communicates to us in a lot of different ways. And in many cases, it's through other people if we're willing to listen. And so that third time it clicked, I heard it. And the next book that came into my world was a book called Psycho-Cybernetics by Maxwell Maltz. And in that book, he teaches you how to use the power of visualization to achieve your goals and to increase your self-image or your self-confidence. And so I just started to apply what I learned out of this book. I would close my eyes and visualize. And what I learned is the mind doesn't know the difference between real and imagined. And Einstein said everything happens twice, first in our imagination and then in reality. And so I would visualize myself over and over and over in front of these audiences, you know, and I would just make it so real in my mind. I would feel my suit on. I would feel the stage beneath me. I'd see the faces in the audience. I'd hear the sounds. I'd literally feel the temperature in the room. And I made it so real in my mind that my brain started to look for resources to help me bridge that gap. And there's a part of our brain called the reticular activating system that is designed to look at, keep an eye out for anything that we hold in our dominant focus. And whatever you consistently focus on, that part of our brain is uh, is going to help you find more of it. And the prime example of this is for Chad, for you, and, and Jason, for you, uh, think about the last time you got a new car. What did you tend to notice more of in your environment? All those cars. Mm-hmm. Are the people with the same vehicle that I have, basically? Yeah. Yeah. yeah or, you, or when you just start talking about, like, my fiance mentioned, you know, I kind of like, a, I kind of like the Highlanders. This is like 2019. I never noticed a Highlander ever. And all of a sudden, oh, there's a red one, there's a white one, a black. Oh, there's Highlanders everywhere, right? I mean, where'd all these Highlanders come from? I, that's not a car I ever considered as a Highlander. Now I see them all the time. It's, right. it's crazy. You're right. So fun question is, uh, do you think those Highlanders were always there? Yeah, they were always there because I'm a car guy. Like, I love new cars. I like, you know, the I've got photos down in Globe of the, the Escalade, the new Escalade that just came out. I got the first interior photos on the Internet. If you look it up, like the dash, the new screen, I got it at a gas station. They had it all disguised, but I caught it. The guy had the. Had it flipped up and I could see like the console and the dash area, send it uh, into some websites. Like, I love that stuff. I got the new GMC. I tried to get the guy to let me look in it. He's like, no, not happening. <laughs> like, just, just let me peek. No cameras. Just let me peek. Now, so I noticed cars. Yeah. Never yeah. seen a Highlander. I mean, never noticed a Highlander driving on the road till then. Yeah. And that's, but they were and always and there. That's the they were always there. Uh, but you, you program that part of your brain to look for more. And then as if by magic, you found more. And the, mm-hmm. the thing that people, most people don't recognize is that we have that power as it relates to our goals too, and things that we want to accomplish both personally and professionally. If we just focus more on what we want versus what we don't want, which is where most people go, then we find a way to bring more things into our life that we want. And I always teach my boys, you know, whatever you think about, you bring about. And so I'll ask them, you know, we went on a ride, me and my, uh, my oldest, no, my youngest one went on a ride and he's huge into garbage trucks right now. And it was like a 20 minute ride to Target or whatever, just taking a little trip. And I said, Hey, buddy, on the way to Target, what do you want to see on our, on our adventure to Target? He said, mm, Garbage trucks. And I said, <laughs> Okay, let's keep an eye out. So we go to Target, grab a couple of things. And as we're leaving, we literally see in this big parking lot 
um, this huge garbage truck that's, you know, uh, picking up these huge dumpsters and put them in. I was like, dude, check it out. So we go and we get a first row seat and he's got the window down and he's sitting there and he's looking at this garbage truck. And I'm like, see, you know, and I remind him, you know, you remember what we said? We wanted to see more garbage trucks. And, and I always say, what you think about? And he finishes off. He says, you bring about. And so, I mean, for, for those of you listening, just keep that in mind. Like what you consistently focus on is what this part of your brain, the RAS is going to help you find more of. If you constantly look for negativity, you're going to find more negativity. But if you're constantly looking for what's good in the world, uh, the good in people, uh, what you're grateful for, your brain is going to make that shift over time and you'll start to find things that resonate more with that. And so, yeah. and so three, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm just like, I'm sitting nodding going, God, this guy. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I try to preach that to my 12 year old and like, he's infatuated with Tesla's. They moves to Arizona. What's in there? I mean, there's Tesla's everywhere. So he, it gets point, dude, if I hear you say the word Tesla one more time, you're never leaving the house again. Stop pointing out every single Tesla you see. But I told him the same thing just about a week ago. I said, if you were looking for, you know, uh, I can't remember the exact, a BMW four series, you'd see them. You see them everywhere, but you're not looking for a BMW. You're looking for Teslas. That's why you think there's all these, oh, there's more Teslas than anything. There's not. There's way more Chevy pickups than Teslas, but you're not seeing that because you're looking for the Teslas. So, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry, but you're right. I, I do that with Jackson as well. No, amen to that chat. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, and so, I mean, just to kind of wrap up my story is, um, you know, three and a half years, and I still visualize to this day, you know, it's one of my primary tools I use to shift my state if I'm feeling in a funk. Um, or to achieve certain goals. You know, if you haven't heard of a vision board, I highly recommend you get one or or create a bucket list um, and give your brain the data it needs to to help you have the life experience that you want to have. So anyway, three and a half years go by of visualizing, taking action. 2009, I started a small coaching and speaking business. And I wish I could tell you that it was, you know, I rode off into the sunset from there, <laughs> but I ended up going bankrupt my first year because I had no idea what the heck I was doing. But, you know, I learned pretty quickly uh, it was important to have a coach. So after I went bankrupt, I hired a coach uh, with some credit and uh, ended up tripling my business and, and uh, didn't never look back from there. Uh, but that was the beginning of it. And I mean, to this day, visualization is one of those tools that is just my go to. So obviously somebody who's big in um, both, I think, business, you know, business aspects and and life coaching tony robbins you're you're now kind of working for him but doing your own stuff at the same time what's that been like to you know to to land on tony's team and um you know is it have you, have you felt that's really elevated or, or helped you elevate kind of into that that next echelon of of where you want to go with your life yeah 100 percent. so there's a there's a common saying out there it says you know you are the average of the five people you hang out with most and um, not that, you know, Tony and I are hanging out every day, uh, but who you associate with is, is who you become. And it's kind of like, you know, you look at Michael Jordan, you know, Michael Jordan elevated the game of the people around him um, and made them better. You know, he sort of challenged them just by his presence to become better. Same with, uh, thing with Tom Brady. You know, you look at what he's done. It's, it's mind blowing at 43 years old, what he's accomplishing and I believe Tony Robbins, what we're looking at is the Michael Jordan of personal development, the, the, the Tom Brady of personal development. You know, he just in his presence, you're forced to elevate your presence, elevate your game, elevate everything that's going on in your life. And I think that's that's been the biggest influence is like just recognizing all that all the BS uh, stuff that happens in life and all the unnecessary things. Um, 
start to fall away. At least that's been my experience and really just focusing on what's most important, which, you know, is being the best version of me that I can and making a positive difference as, in as many people's lives as I can. So you talked a little bit about, I mean, obviously kind of slipping into the depression, like a depressed state or, you know, even we don't necessarily have to talk about that, but just kind of, you know, you see globally that or at least nationally, this kind of um, push for more mental health awareness. Right. And I think that, you know, obviously um, student transporters, bus drivers, really anybody that works kind of in the industry and I'm sure outside of the industry as well, but you know, it's like the job doesn't pay a lot. It's probably hard to make ends meet. So it's, it's easy to kind of get in a dark place and just treat bus driving like a job. What would you say to people that might be experiencing some type of like really high level stress or kind of getting in that deep depression state that, that haven't sought out help? How would you, I mean, what would you say to them to, you know, to start looking or thinking about getting help? It's a good question, you know, and, and I've had the, the pleasure and the honor really of, speaking at, I think, five or six different statewide um, people transportation conferences, as well as a, a, a huge amount of different districts. In fact, at the end of this month, I'll be traveling to uh, Clarksville, uh, just north of Nashville, to speak to their school district and their drivers. And they ask the same question, you know, about mental health, because it's so important right now. And I think the number one thing that I would say is that it's it's not, it's like going to, it's like exercising. It's You, you can't just expect to exercise once a month and be fit. You know, you can't eat clean it's once a, a month. It's such a sham. <laughs> <laughs> it stinks, but it, it's the truth. Chad yeah. and I are big why? guys, big boys, so yeah, COVID why, didn't why help. Can't you, why can't you exercise once a month and just be fit? Like, why? Why Why is that that way? That's ridiculous. Because it takes hard work, right? That, that's Sorry, but that's like a, that's a, that's a thing for me, George. <laughs> I'm, I'm, what's the thing? I what's the thing? Yeah. Chad? Let's just let's just talk about that. You, that you can't exercise right once a month and just be fit. And if you exercise twice a month, you should be like ripped. Three times a month, you should be just cut to the core. Like, why not? Yeah, yeah. If there's somebody out there who's done that, you let me know because I haven't found them either. <laughs> I'm looking for that. Say everybody's looking for that same shortcut, but it's not going to work. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to same find thing it. With our I'll mental. let you know. Is it same thing with our mental health? You know, we can't expect to to read. A, you know, 30 minutes once a month and, and have new tools to help us. It's, it's a lifestyle change, you know, it's, and that's what people have to recognize. It's like, when you look at our lives, your life, it's the culmination of all of your habits. So when you look at all of your habits, your eating habits, your television habits, your screen time habits, your sleeping habits, um, your morning routine habits, that is uh, all of our habits create our life experience. So you've got to develop positive habits. You know, reading is essential. You know, 30 minutes a day is all you really need. Something positive, uplifting, 30 minutes a day. But you got to work out your mind like you would work out your body if you want to get fit. Um, you know, one tool is a simple tool that I share with all of my audiences is affirmations. Affirmations. You know, I, I, I'm fortunate enough to be in a place where uh, I know that how we communicate with ourselves builds belief systems. And so with my kids, I, I'm constantly having them repeat different affirmations. So here's here's a couple of them that I share with them. Um, I have them say, I'm strong, I'm powerful, and I break through my limits. I have them say it over and over again. And then another series I have them say is, I'm smart, I'm valuable, 
I'm capable and I can do anything I set my mind to. So anything you say after I am, you begin building belief systems around it. But initially, if there's not a belief in there, you say, oh, man, I am, I, I, I am fit. And if you're not fit, there's a part of your brain that's going to say bullshit. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I, hear that, I um, hear that all the time. Yes, you're yeah. right. <laughs> but but just again, it's it's like you can't go to the gym and do 10 curls and expect to have killer arms. You sure. know, you got to practice and practice and practice. And so I think, Jason, to answer your question, uh, I think the number one thing that people have to realize is that you've got to change your habits, got to change your lifestyle. And it's it's not this quick fix. We, we, we live in this instant gratification world where we want everything yesterday. You know, when you yeah. like, what do we got? Like eight minute abs, 30 second rice. You got pharmaceutical drugs for an instant quick fix. I mean, everybody wants everything fast. Amazon, you go over some on Amazon, it might come today. Yeah. You know and so we've we've sort of been conditioned to this instant gratification world, but when it comes to achieving important lifelong goals like fitness and health, um, and having a career that you all of that, it's it requires you water the bamboo. And I shared this, you know, at uh, at TAA in 2019, uh, there are bamboo farmers that when they plant bamboo seeds, they'll water nurture these bamboo seeds for an entire year, and and nothing happens because those bamboo seeds are sprouting underneath the surface. We can't see them, but they're sprouting and they're grabbing onto that soil and they're getting a, a strong footing and foundation. Even after two years, water, nurture, give them sunlight, nothing happens because they're getting ready to sprout. But the minute they sprout from the ground, they'll grow 60 feet in 90 days. And, uh, you know, really taking care of our mental health, our physical health is like watering the bamboo. We have to be willing to do the work without immediate result for a long period of time. But then when we start, when, when that bamboo sprouts, we start seeing the results, then we get addicted to the result and we just keep doing it. And then we get to a point where it's like, I can't not do it now. Right. Man, you better know what you're doing if you're a bamboo farmer, because if you do that all year and then they'd never sprout, you literally just waste an entire year. <laughs> yeah, gotta have That'd be awful. But, but think about and it. instant gratification. Yeah. You're right. I mean, that's everything. And then you know, I've got three boys, two are grown and one younger. It's the same thing. I mean, they want everything like right now, you know. And so I'm like my 12 year old. I'm teaching him things that, as a single parent, my other two, I didn't probably necessarily teach as well. But I learned a lot. And patience. And fortunately, my fiance, she's in the mental health industry with you know, children's mental health. She's a social worker, LCSW, yada, yada. I say yada, yada, like it's not a big deal. It's a big deal. But anyway, so, so she's, she's helped me with Jackson on things as well and helped me, you know, she was sending me stuff earlier on some cards that I need to download some app. I don't know. It's supposed to help my mental health, you know, I'll do it. And so you know, like me, like I, I still, I get the frozen burritos out of the freezer. I don't even heat them up. Like I want it right now, cold, just like a popsicle. Just going to gnaw it. <laughs> I hope you really don't do that. I know. I don't. No, I, I, I was going to throw up. You should know better than that, Jason. Come on. But, but I, um, it, yeah, no, it, and you've touched on so many things. The news, you know, I don't even watch news because it's, I, I don't watch local news because something good happened. Why aren't you telling us about, the old lady that dunked the basketball, like something, tell us something good that happened. And they don't the, the national 24 hour news. I don't watch that. Like I, you know, I, I just, because you're going, I know people that are in this rabbit hole in their life, like mentally in their life, they're down this rabbit hole that you can't get them out of because they believe all these things that they keep hearing all day, every day. And they listen to the same radio stations. They watch the same news stations 
and they believe that all this is 100% the truth and not someone's opinion, which majority of it is. And it's never rarely a good opinion, you know, like a <clears throat> like an uplifting opinion, you know. I, Excuse me. Yeah. Yeah. I think you know, that you can uh, apply that also in just student transportation yeah. departments, right? I mean, yeah. you get these – I remember when I came into where I'm at now, you know, we had a – pretty toxic culture as far as this people you know drivers or or whoever just really just bad attitudes think you know just second guessing everything that the uh director transportation administration was trying to do you know like they always had this better idea or and so people just like just it was that constant poisoning the well of whatever and finally we just you know managed to get out of it but i really like the the affirmations of you know I get it. People sometimes will be like, well, it's like drinking the Kool-Aid or, you know, this isn't for me type of thing. But I think if they really buy into it um, with, you know, a new leadership that may be coming in or a new person, you know, all of a sudden new supervisor, new director stepping into a department that they're inheriting, you know, kind of a toxic culture. What would you say, George, to somebody that's kind of stepping in They're They're like, I don't really know you know, how to really grab this bull by the horns and really change it, you know, to, to, to pull it out from where it's at. What, what would you say to that? As a new leader? Yeah. Uh, as a new leader, I would say first thing that comes to mind is get in the trenches, you know, because uh, I think a lot of times leaders try to come in and they try to direct um, versus getting in there, you know, and, and spending time in the trenches with the people that they're leading. I think that's important. You know, it, it reminds me of a quote, you know, Gandhi said it, be the change that you want to see in the world. And so I think that it's not just about telling or it's not about directing. I think it's about being that change, being an example of that change. And um, I think that's a good place to start. Uh, Chad, well, I didn't Go ahead. Chad. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, I was, I was saying I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. I'm used to it, Jason. <laughs> Here, I'll come both of real quick, and, and I'll just say because Chad, you mentioned a good point earlier with you know your wife being a mental health educator, um, or or therapist. Hey, there's nothing wrong with reaching out and asking for help. I think sometimes we we create this belief around asking for help means I'm weak, but asking for help is intelligent. And if I mean I've had my share, my handful of therapists and coaches throughout the throughout the years, and who knows where I'd be without them. So I mean, if you if you if you try to to shift something within you and you can't do it on your own, it's okay to ask for help. Reach out to somebody, get that help because the, they call them blind spots for a reason. And people who are trained to to help us see our blind spots and change them, so ask for help. And and I grew up Western Oklahoma, the Panhandle of Oklahoma, south of Colorado. Uh, you know where that's at, at the little no man's land. Born and raised there in an oil filled family. You know, hardcore three-tour Vietnam vet dad, you know, and the oil rigs, and you just stuff it down. Yeah, it's fine. You just stuff it down. Keep keep it in there. You're fine. You're fine. It's, you know, don't – boys don't cry, but you're not hurt, you know, all that type of stuff. Mm -hmm. and, and it's taken me years to get out of that, and it drives Courtney crazy sometimes. She's like, you know, how are you doing? I said, I'm fine. She's like, God, I, you know, I know you're not fine. There's something wrong. I'm like, no, I'm fine. She's just tell me. And I've gotten where I I do open up more to her and express things, and she does help. You know what she can like draw out of you. It is very helpful, and it's it feels so much better when it's done. You know because in some things she points out that you didn't realize was was the case. 
and so you're right. I mean, <clears throat> going out, reaching out, opening up to people, asking for help if there's an issue. Um, uh, one thing I wanted to touch on, you know, you, you mentioned coming in, Jason, about coming into transportation departments, toxic, you know, like you said, George, I agree, get in there on the ground level, figure out what all's going on, how you can help. I think, you know, a good leader, someone that jumps in and works if they're asked to help or offers their help or takes over a, a project and, and takes care of issues. You know, we've got that, you know, my boss here, he'll, if I call and say, Hey, can you do this quote for me? I'm on the road. Three minutes later, you got it. He's happy to do it with no questions asked. But also I think it's important though. You, you got to figure out where the toxicity, the toxic people are and you just got to cut, cut the rope and let them go. Yeah. I mean, in yeah. my opinion, you can't keep them around. It's going to be a constant yeah. battle to keep them around. If they're not willing to change, yeah, and, and they're you know an anchor or a cancer, certainly. So obviously, uh, we got to witness your one of your um, presentations, and you know, you kind of like you said, you got you have fun with it. You, I think we had a dance part, a couple dance parties, and a little dance breaks, whatnot. Like, how how does that get received? I mean, people kind of like you know, do they really jump in, or do you do you find some resistance and you know, how many, how many, I guess, stories do you hear after you've left a, an organization, you know, pre presenting a state organization where people are like, man, George, we still, five years later, we still hear, you know, live it and breathe it exactly what you, you know, told us to do. What's that, what's that been like for you? You know, it, it's, it's just confirmation that all those years ago, and again, I just, I get emotional thinking about it, but all those years ago, you know, when I was open to hearing God through, through my reps, um, that I'm on the right path, you know, that I'm, I'm doing what I've been called here to do. And, and, and that confirmation for me is just uh, and hearing that that feedback from audiences that years later, you know, that uh, the impact lasted for me is just confirmation that, hey, you know, I'm, I'm uh, I come here to serve and make a difference and, and I'm doing it. So you you put together a book called The Unsung Heroes that and that's kind of how I found you. Right. It was just doing a Google search and was like, huh, here's a book about school school bus transportation and a bunch of stories talks a little bit about stress um can you talk a little bit about like what your inspiration was for that and and what you what how the how the project went and how how you know how you put it out there yeah you know good question um it, the, the inspiration was really after a presentation um i wanted something that people could take with them to help remind them of what we talked about and like you said, you know, there are there are different uh, stories in there, different things in there about other unsung heroes out in the world that, you know, they saved a kid's life. You know, they avoided a tornado and got kids to safety, you know, seconds before the tornado hit. Um, and just to remind them that, hey, there, there's at any given point in time, something can happen and you'll have an opportunity to be a hero. And I think just just to be able to have my message stick a little bit longer and get something physical in their hands was the inspiration behind it. Um, and it does talk about stress because, I mean, if you're alive in today's age, you experience stress. And the question is, what do you do about it? And what a lot of people don't recognize is it's kind of like um, there's a story of, uh, you know, two fish are swimming in the ocean and another sw fish comes swimming by. And the, the, the individual fish says to the other two fish, he says, hey, boys, how's the water? And, you know, they both just swim by each other. A few seconds later, one of the other fish says, what the hell is water? <laughs> I think. I'm sorry. Too often. <laughs> I don't know why I thought that was so funny. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, that's all right. It's, it's pretty funny. 
And that's the thing is like when we're swimming in stress for so long, we forget that we're even in it. It becomes sort of our new what what Tony Robbins calls, you know, your emotional home. But when stress becomes your emotional home and that's your go to place, um, what, what a lot of people don't know is that that cortisol, that adrenaline that gets surged through our body, it's like battery acid for our body. It's great for short bursts of strength to fight or flight, but we can't live on it. So I offer some tips on how to minimize stress. And one simple one is, is simply by using a, a what's called a box breathing technique developed by the Navy SEALs because they're always under high stress situations. And so it's uh, the box breathing technique. You can look it up, but it's simply taking a, a four second inhale, holding for four seconds, four second exhale, and then holding for four more seconds. And if you do, it, you'll notice it. If you're stressed and if you do three of those cycles, you'll notice it. If you do 10 of those cycles, it'll work you out of the fight or flight response. And you can do that in less than a few minutes. So we're already breathing. We might as well breathe strategically, intelligently, and consciously to be able to minimize our stress levels. I definitely think that uh, we could all benefit from probably that. You know, just uh, you got accidents or angry parents or missing kids or whatnot, you know, just to work through a problem or take a, you know, go step into a room for a minute or two and, you know, just get yourself back into a conscious level of, okay, how are we going to work through this rather than, you know, just working at this high stress of just panic. Right. And I think that's easy to get there. I think bus drivers are, you know, easy to get there. Let kids just sit there and push their buttons to, you know, they're going to make some sort of rash decisions. We've, you know, you talk about news media, like the news never wants to do positive pieces on how people are making impacts in their community. They always want to do something else where we see, you know, bus driver loses it and, you know, beats a kid or, or whatever. I mean, fill in the blank there. There's several, you know, pieces out there that I'm sure that you can find on YouTube or in the news, but I think it's, you know, those types of techniques. And that's why I really appreciate it about your presentation, George, and getting to know you is that, you know, they're, they're, there's so many other people that are out there doing it, but I love that you're connecting into the student transportation realm where, you know, without, honestly, without departments recognizing that they need help from the outside or state organizations trying to think outside the box and like, how can we help our community, you know, here in the state, um, you know, this message really isn't being shared. It's, it's easy to go in and sit and hear about the latest updates from, you know, the what's coming new on a school bus or, um, you know, what's what's the new latest and greatest, um, you know, piece of legislature or law requirements that we have to follow. But we're not ever thinking about how can we help our people be better at their job. Right. And really get into a different state of mind to to be able to do that. Right. I, I mean, I think it's important that we discuss what's coming new on a school bus, new features and whatnot as well. Of course you would. So, so George, you, you played football. You talked about earlier. Uh, obviously, I, I mean, I'm a big football guy. Um, skipped college to raise my kid. who was born right after I graduated high school. Went briefly and then got out. But, uh, you know, 6'5", 330, can't not play football. You know, I mean, it's a thing. But one of the things that we started doing here – stressful conversation or people start getting worked up and I'm, I'm getting Jackson into it as well is instead of letting it continue is someone is just says huddle up, huddle up. That means everyone just stop, take a deep breath. Let's get together. Let's discuss this. Let's figure this out because, you know, you start to get, 
you start to get in a stressful conversation with, you know, Courtney or Jackson or, uh, you know, a heated, you know, maybe an argument or something. Just huddle up. It's, it's like a switch. You know, everyone hears it. It's like, oh, okay. You just stop. Okay, take a deep breath. Let's get together. Let's, let's discuss this. And it's just little things like that, but you got to figure it out. You got to figure out what it is. You know, it's, that works great for me. Because the Love first that. round, I'm like, let's say boomerang. But then it's like, that's just a stupid thing to say when you're ticked off about something, you know? But saying that huddle works. up, like, in my mind means stop what you're doing. Let's get in a group and let's discuss this. I mean, so it worked mm -hmm. perfect for me. But everyone needs to find that in their house, in their home, in their car, at work. I think it's important that everybody come up with something like that, figure out what works for them. Because huddle up may not work for Jason, you know? I mean, his may be... I don't know what yours would be, Jason. I'm sorry. I like, but. I mean, I like the huddle up. I like, I mean, I, I like all of it. Right. And I think, you know, mm -hmm. the, the summertime for me is always a, one of those, you know, you come out of the year, we work 180 days and then it's trying to, you know, look back, but also try and come up with better ways to do things for the next year so that we don't fall back into the same, the same traps that we, you know, are, are so easy to get into. And I think those are the things that we, you know, that, good leaders should be doing right it's like how do we lead our teams how do we get you know better how do we become stronger you know i think most transportation departments can can attest that they have this family-like atmosphere right we're all you know this is our work family and and we'll just about do anything for each other but um it's also easy for you know, other departments to like, I, you're just a number, you're just an employee. And, you know, if you quit, oh, well, you're, you know, I'll bring the next guy in and, and it kind of is what it is. And so I think that there's, there has to be a balance there of treating people like humans, but also how can we, how, how can we get in the trenches? How can we share, but how can I also lead, you know, so that we can have fun. But to your point, when we are in a stressful situation, huddle up you know let's let's everybody let's get together and let's talk about it real quick so that we're all on the same page we can all get to where we need to go i i mean i i really like that so um chad i appreciate that you can't use it that's mine jason okay i'll that's mine you can't i'll say group, i'll group up instead how's that <laughs> <There you go. laughs> so george um you know you're Obviously, since COVID, we're, we're picking up with speaking engagements and, you know, starting to get out there and traveling a bit again. Um, you know, how, how can people find you if they want to if they want to, um, you know, get you out to their event or organization to 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 speak? Well, I've got a special website for the school bus industry, and it's simply unsungheroes.com. And there you'll see, you know, a lot of my statewide clients, a lot of my district clients, and then my primary speaking website is uh, GC, like my name, George Carroll, gcspeaker.com. Right on. George, thanks for taking the time out uh, today to join us. Been, you know, hopefully things are good and we're going to pick, keep picking up for you. And like I said, hope that we can uh, get you out in a couple of years to do, you know, maybe a part two session for us at uh, TAA. But, you know, looks like everything's going well for him. And thank you for sharing your story here with us and, and hopefully, you know, people will take a little something out of it. I think there's a lot of little little hidden gems in there in this episode. So, right on. Good to see you. And, Chad? Yeah. Good to see you, too. I just, just want to say thank you guys yeah. for the work you're doing. And for the, everybody who's listening, thank you for the work you do. Don't overlook 
um, the importance and the difference that that you can make. So thanks for being alive on planet Earth. Thanks for being making the difference that you make. And and to both of you, thanks for having me. Right on. Yeah, thank you for joining us. It, this this is a great episode. Um, did you have uh, material videos or or books or anything that people can also locate? Is that on your website? Yeah, they can just go to my website. I mean, I'm I'm on social media, but I'm not that active right now. Uh, but so my website is probably the best place to go. So un- unsungheroes.com, is that right? Yep, that's the one. Right on. Well, George, uh, thanks again. Chad, thank you again. I know you've been busy, and we'll be back at it uh, here in a couple weeks. Thanks again, everybody. Take care. Stay safe. See you later. Adios. Thank you, George. You've been listening to Hey Bus Driver. Thanks for being part of our community. If you're a student transportation professional, you are part of our family. The show is coming to a close, but you can reach out online. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at Hey Bus Driver Podcast. And check out the website at www.heybusdriver.com. Till next time, this is Hey Bus Driver, signing off.